Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar with Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. It is good to be back in America, my friend. But what a trip it was over to Rome for the 44th Ryder Cup. Team Europe, dominating performance, 16 and a half to 11 and a half. I can tell you one thing, Sleaze. I'm tired. Oh, I'm beat. Having a hard time figuring out which day it was. Uh, checking scores over there on the apps. I was like, oh, it says Sunday, but the game was on Saturday, all this stuff. And I'm not going to eat pizza for a substantial period of time. I think I hit that about 80% of the time. And I hit it hard. You, you saw. did. I watched it. I went ham on It was an pizza. impressive performance. Thank you. Thank you. Very impressive. Uh, as was Europe's performance over in the Ryder Cup. Like I said, just dominating. Listen, we may have lost the Ryder Cup, but our squad was best dressed. There's no doubt about that. Huge shout out to RLX, Ralph Lauren, for having us out there. Their setup there, spectacular. And the RLX Golf Collection draws inspiration from the traditional aesthetic of polo, updating it to create a modern sensib sensibility focused on performance-driven design. From sophisticated styles to the most technologically advanced fabrics available, RLX Golf is the ultimate in functional luxury and provides pieces that are ready for whatever the conditions bring, on the course or off. Ralph Lauren is the official outfitter of the United States Ryder Cup team and partner of the AJGA. Ralph Lauren is proud to continue its sponsorship of golf ambassadors Andrea Lee, Billy Horschel, Davis Love III, Devin Bling, Doc Redman, Jonathan Bird, Nick Watney, Sean Foley, Smiley Kaufman, Todd Anderson, Tom Watson, Trevor Werblow, Troy Taylor III, Tyler Strafacci, and Zach Johnson. The RLX Golf Collection is available in select Ralph Lauren stores, exclusive private clubs and resorts, and online at ralphlauren.com. Scoop and score. Yep, our squad might have lost, but we looked incredible doing it. Right, that's worth something. And got a special thanks to Ralph Lauren for that incredible setup over there in the hospitality area, right of number seven, Captain's Club area. The Ralph Lauren suite was beautiful. Loved the whole setup. Thanks to Catherine Newton for joining us last week. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. The entire time was a lot of fun, but also good to be, good to be back in the greatest nation in the world. It was. It was a hell of a trip, man. Um, I'll be honest. I... I might have actually had more caffeine last week than you did. I was on like a seven-day stretch, no bull. Didn't have it at the hotel. We didn't leave anywhere but Marco Zamoni and the hotel for the majority you had a lot of, of the trip. And there's some little orange <laughs> pummeled <laughs> that thing. I also am not having an orange drink. for. I hadn't had one in years, not having one until the next time we go over there. So no pizza, no orange drink. Yeah, dude. Limited diet. There's not much left. All right. Well, let's get into it. We're going to dive deep into this Ryder Cup. Um, because I think a lot of people are obviously very concerned with what's going on every time we make the trip across the pond. It's now going to be 34-year stretch when we head back to Ireland in 2027 since the last time Team USA has won on European soil. This thing was a shit show from the moment the bell went off, and honestly, probably before that. You go back to the opening ceremony. Captain Zach Johnson gets up there to give his speech during the opening ceremony. They do a beautiful flyby with some fighter jets. They had the red and green coming out the back. Zach gets up there, gets ready to rock, and, well, they just turned around and said, we're going to do it again. Run it speech. back. Start the whole <laughs> shit over, buddy. Sorry about that. The entire Italian Air Force was on property. Like, hey, did he start? Did he start? Tell us when he starts. We're going to launch. We're going to launch right over oh. the top. That was a beautiful. I was like, I don't know if that was choreographed or not, but fair play. Yeah. It and worked. The, and then Luke Donald just oh. gave an incredible speech going in and starting out with um, speaking in Italian, just absolutely killed it. I thought it was one nothing Europe right out of the gate with the speech. And then Friday morning, man, I don't know what the hell happened. Nicholas Colsart set the tone coming out there. The vice captain for Europe came out there and had the crowd in the palm of his hand doing all their chants, the skull chant or the, the clapping yeah, the and everything. Thunder clap. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then 
For some reason, we sent out Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns first, which was a question. They got a tie on the first hole. And then after that, Victor Hovland chipped in in the second match, and we never even thought about coming close to leading again. It was like opening bell, round one, danced around for about 30 seconds, and then took a straight right to the nose. And, dude, the entire day didn't recover. I mean, it was – the American roars are different when you're out there. They're very muted compared to Europe's, obviously. But, dude, there was hardly – a muted roar out there. I mean, it was nothing. It just felt like we were swimming upstream that entire day. Like they got the mo. If you were looking like just the body language at some of our guys, like throughout that late in the morning session, early afternoon is like just no juice, like no nothing. It just looked shell shocked. Like, holy shit. I've heard about playing over here. I've heard about the momentum and it was there and it was evident. Like, dude, we need to just try to salvage this day, get any sort of half point point, whatever we can get up on the board, put it up there because it was, it was, uh, uphill sledding that whole first day. It felt like that, honestly, most of the week, with the exception of the final match on the second day, which we'll get to. But we'll do all our armchair quarterbacking and second guessing and stuff like that. But we do have some, we'll talk about the play, some of the changes we think could be made. But um, suffice it to say, ultimately, just Europe just played better. Yeah, as far as the play goes, I mean, I think the one thing you just really got to look at is the foursomes format. Luke Donald decided to move them. First on Friday morning, which I think was the first time since 90, 1993 that had happened. He thought that was a huge strength for them, and it was. They went out 4 nothing in the morning, Saturday, Saturday morning, went out there 3-1. So 7-1. and one. I mean, that's just such a big hole to dig yourself right out of the gate early in the morning each day. Like It's like they came out, they hit them in the mouth, they got the crowd fired up, and they just kept on rolling. They they wanted to set the tone early, and, and they did it. I don't know why. Our record is as bad as it is overseas when it comes to this format. Over here, it's fine. But some, for some reason, they go over there, and it is just a struggle. I mean, you had Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, get beat in record fashion 9-7. and seven. I think they shot something like 42 or 44 on the front nine. I mean, I know Victor and Ludwig played fantastic, but that's just giving it to them. Start off, what they start off? Double, bogey, double? Something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, you put two of the best players in the world, and it equaled – couple guys you'd see at your member guest or something like that it's just hard to fathom like those guys going out and getting beat that bad and anything that involves swinging a golf club uh and, and scoring like it was ludwig, that was mind-numbing beatdown in that match that match i mean ludwig and victor started off par par bogey and were three up yeah that's friendly i mean <laughs> that is friendly <laughs> it, i think it, you and why did why do the people not do that against you and kitty in the finals of the four no ball? shit where's that play these dudes we play from Cal, they're world beaters, dude. All they do is make tweets all over the place. But I thought that Ludwig Victor pairing was going to be potentially the best pairing they had. They did. They kind of they played some good golf, but that would also just hand it to him on a silver platter. But and there's there's not a world out there where I would be like, oh, Scotty Scheffler and Brooks Kepka, yeah, they're just going to get body bagged by anyone in golf. And that I mean, that's when you look up and you're on Team US and you're like, oh, those are two of our best guys. You look up and like, Jesus. They haven't halved a hole yet. They're just getting pummeled. Like, that and does something to you. That was that was a pairing that seemed to kind of just come together out of nowhere, kind of a response to how yeah. bad they were getting beat. Mm -hmm. And Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth were in one of the matches behind them. There was a clip of them walking down the fairway, and Bones yeah. said, to, said to Justin, um, Brooks and Scotty just got beaten 9-7. and seven. And you could see Justin. You could read about He goes, 9-7? Nine nine and seven? Seven? Like, what the what just happened? Are you kidding me? Those are supposed to be our studs. And for a kid, I mean, Ludwig, a rookie, and Victor Hovland, who was winless 
at the Ryder Cup in Whistling Straits. I know he's a much different player now. But to go up against Brooks Kepka, five-time major champion, and Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, who, by the way, now has gone President's Cup and Ryder Cup without winning a match oh, in his two last two eight. In this Un- Ryder Cup. Yeah, unreal. It's just shocking. I, it, It's one thing to get beat, but to get embarrassed is a whole, totally different deal. And going back to that first day where we said, like, we know the morning session, we know that that finished out, we got blitzed. They tried to fight back in that afternoon. And still, right now, looking back on it, that 18th hole, on Friday afternoon, where they were able to flip three matches, we were looking at a potential three to one. We could get out of there at three to five to three. Like that's nothing. That'd be fine. Yeah. We lose foursomes all the time. Cool, five to three, especially after being down four zero. Nothing in it. It's like a clean slate. Let's go. And then they flipped all three of those. Rom had the hole out that was going mock three at the end. Justin Rose makes the huge play. Like Victor. everything, Victor. Uh, that stretch on the 18th ultimately i think was like that was just crippling like we fought back we fought back we're looking like we're going to be right in the mix going into going into saturday and the next thing you know like the deficit still massive i thought that friday afternoon all things considered all the second guessing on the pairings the order whatever you want to question that that 18th hole on friday afternoon was massive in this entire Ryder cup i'll just say the first day was just such a shock to me like and Zach Johnson, who I who I love, and I think he's, you know, he was he was right for the job. I just think he made some very questionable decisions. And it's easy looking back at that now to be like, oh, you shouldn't have played him. You should have took him, whatever. But being over there and knowing everything that was going on as far as Ricky Fowler being sick all week, okay? You send him out Friday morning, the early session, on very little rest, gala, all that stuff going on. Come to find out, Patrick Cantlay wasn't sleeping well. Skip the gala. You had 15 major championships on the team. 11 of those major championships sat Friday morning. Parked. I I just don't understand that. And you're right. It's so easy to second guess it at the time. But like we said some stuff on air over there on the radio. Like there were question marks right off the jump for us. I was like, that's a weird one to go out first. Why are these guys sitting? Thought they would have been out. Thought these two would have been together. Um, Ultimately, that start, Colt, like the the couple things I'm going to get into for like changes and stuff when we start talking about that. We talked about how Max Homa, Justin Thomas, the only guys that had played since Eastlake on the U.S. side. I, I said this prior to the Ryder Cup, too. Is I don't think it's a, in an ideal world if you want your guys at their best going into a golf tournament that they haven't played a whole of competitive golf in a month leading up. And I stand by that. And I think going forward, there needs to be something where they're playing something meaningful because like you can you can blame the slow start on the momentum from the European side or the European fans or maybe the pairings or whatever. But bottom line is like there was nobody out there in that morning session that was playing good golf, like their best golf. And I think Europe had some of those guys and they had all played two weeks prior and they all played well. I think there was a rust element because as the week went on and we got more comfortable, part of it's the atmosphere. Sure. Part of it's just like, I haven't played from competitive golf in a while. It's hard to come out after a month layoff and just be razor sharp. And I don't think we were. And I stand by that. I don't think going into future Ryder Cups, not playing for a month is a good way to get ready to be at your best when you show up and put the peg in the ground. Yeah, that was a good call on your part. I wasn't that worried about it. I just thought, listen, we got 12 of the best players in the world. Um, but playing golf at home and practicing is a lot different than playing competitive golf, especially in an atmosphere like that. And Max Homa was by far Team USA's MVP. He had a nice week at Napa. Justin Thomas, you know, he played okay. He brought a lot of fire which was great. I mean, he didn't have much help from Jordan Spieth. There you go. He also played well at Napa. So there you go. And Brooks Kepka, you know, played a live event before other than he played fine other than the shocking nine and seven bashing that him and Scotty took. But just going Friday morning, the 
Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler being first out just really surprised me in a foursomes format where, you know, it's hard to get in a rhythm. You got Sam Burns being a rookie. Scotty Scheffler is the number one player in the world, but probably the worst putter on U.S.'s team. To send them out first, I was just shocked. I was fine with them going later on in the day, but I just thought them setting, getting out there, and you want to be, you want to have a tone setter. That's why I thought for sure it was going to be Justin was, Thomas or Xander and Patrick. Xander and Patrick. Thought, that was the first group. Team. Let's go. They've been yeah. around we the block. We have two teams that we always go to, Xander and Cantley. No doubt about it. I thought they would go first, or Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. Jordan, heard all week, wasn't really playing that well. Kind of, which is... He had a lot going on. He had a lot going on, and he didn't play well. He owned up to it, and he felt terrible about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, he had some he had some things going on outside of golf that kind of limited what he could do leading up to that. But being that you know Europe is trotting out big dogs early, I think you got to put some people in there that are acclimated to that environment, who have done it before and who've had success before. Who better than Xander and Patrick at that time? And when they they did go out later in the day, and when they lost, we we split them up, and I was like. Look, they go out every session together. They're going to lose some matches in the history of team competition. Like, they're a great team, but they're going to get beat once in a while. I don't think it's enough to be like, throw that away. Let's not pair them together anywhere anymore because they are, I mean, those two just, not only are they best friends, but they are they play together really, really well. And most of that was just Xander wasn't the Xander we're used to seeing on the greens. And he ended up going one and three, putted terrible. But then all this comes out, which we're going to get to about, what happened before the Ryder Cup, there was possibly possibility he wasn't even going to be on the team because he didn't want to sign the player benefit agreement, which was part of getting paid for the Netflix show and all that. Netflix wanted access. The team took a vote on it. Everybody seemed okay with it, except for Xander and apparently Patrick Cantlay. Um, that got X'd, and they weren't allowed access into the locker room, but I didn't. I had no clue until afterwards that it almost came to the point where you were looking at Xander Schauffele possibly not playing on the Ryder Cup team because of this. I hadn't heard that until we got over there and the, the rumors started to circulate. There is the thing, you know, Patrick got criticized for saying, I want to get paid. He's not the first dude in the history of playing the Ryder Cup who said that. It just seemed to get a lot of attention alongside the Jamie Weir article, which we'll also get to. But like you and I did interviews, Colt, for Sirius. I went in there, interviewed four of the guys at a time, right? And uh, Netflix comes in, films the whole thing. In case they say something cool, obviously they want to have it, right? Well, as soon as if Patrick comes in or, so, or Xander comes in, like they got to leave, like immediately. By the way, that room where we did the interviews it looked like a goddamn Al Qaeda torture room, <laughs> where they demand their prisoners back from us. They were not, they were very aware of where the team and and their team room as well was right next to it. It was like spider webs and all kinds. I was like, this is where you're interviewing the best players in the world for the Ryder Cup? No, that's it where was, we were interviewing. That's where we were interviewing. <laughs> yeah. They did a bunch of stuff in there. It was like an old rundown spa next to some Turkish baths. It was the weirdest vibe in the world. But yeah, all that stuff kind of created some, I don't know, just felt like there's a lot of outside noise at this one. And, and the boys just like never got in the groove. But when you talk to the team, they're like, dude, this team's together. Like there's no division amongst the squad. Yeah, I mean, Zach Johnson said this is the closest team he's ever been a part of. I'm not quite sure if I totally buy that. I don't think there was anything to – I don't think there was any problems in the locker room by that. I mean, the whatever. The Netflix agreement, it is what it is. Um, if I, I was in the team, would you want – like, you know the shit that's said in locker rooms, playing team sports, golf, whatever. Would you want – like, you could say some stuff that gets aired and you got to start explaining it real quick. And that – I don't mind the don't be in the team room, the locker room stuff. Everything else I think is in play. I don't know. That's a tough question. Like, as a viewer, yeah, I want Well, it. for sure, as a yeah. viewer, I want it. But as a player, like, you come in there riled up, pissed off, whatever, you're going to say some stuff. Imagine them having lock- cameras in an NFL locker room at halftime and some of the stuff that's said. I mean, said. you look like, at you, hard knocks and the cameras a, are everywhere. Yeah, but it, it's also a really good chance to get 
canceled. I would if if I was gonna let him in the team room as like captain, or whatever, I'd be like, we want full control of final, which I'm sure you final would. edit on this. Yeah. So anything that we say that could get us canceled or or in well, trouble or whatever, like we're out on it. You can I'm, film, but we get to see every second of that thing before we okay any of it. I'm not 100 positive about this, but I'm pretty positive talking to the people at Netflix, like. They go over everyone, like the first season. They went to every person and showed them their episode before. So I'm pretty sure they had it. They could have a say and be like, uh, no, you got to take that out. So if that's the case, then no, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, as a show, viewer, of show, course show, I want to no, see No, but it. even as a player, to show that atmosphere. I mean, look back to Rory at Eastlake during the first season. I mean, he's on the table getting stressed. And he says, <laughs> yeah. fuck Phil. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't care. Rory is kind of like untouchable at this point or like he's, you know, kind of above the game or whatever but um not above the game but like above reprimand more or less like he could he, he's been the speaker for so long but yeah as a maybe a lower down guy but like i don't necessarily i said that thing i don't necessarily want that and, out I, and I think they would allow that i think that'd be perfectly fine if not then it's a totally different but story because like a, the locker room can get heated you, yeah. you say a lot of jokes and have a good time and also some probably personal things directed towards the other team when you're in the moment exactly so as long as you could take it out, I'd be fine with it. But I was shocked to hear about that with with Xander and Patrick. And then obviously the article from Jamie Weir that came out, which was just horse shit. I mean, the hat thing is one saying he wanted to be paid. That's why he's not wearing the hat. He didn't wear the hat at Whistling Straits. So many people throughout time during the Ryder Cup have not worn a hat. On both sides because they don't, yeah. they're used to wearing their hat from their people that they wear that. And then all of a sudden you get there and it doesn't fit. And it's like, by the way, can we just nicks the hat deals at the Ryder Cup. Can guys just have the hat that they want? Is it that does it matter that much what brand makes it? I think you'd have to talk to the, hat the logo on there because there's yeah. so many like dudes going out that normally wear hats that don't like, oh yeah, it doesn't fit me. I'm like, just give them it's a freaking Ryder Cup. Let them get a hat that they well, like. Look, if, if a company's paying to be the official hat of the Ryder Cup, then yeah, you want your guys I'd have to, to go wear hatless hat. in Seattle with my fat head. None of them would fit and that'd be a problem. Well, no disrespect, but I don't think we're gonna have to worry about that. And then don't never say die by that. Okay. All right, some big news here from Subpar. We have officially launched our own YouTube page. Make sure to subscribe at golf underscore subpar on YouTube. Check out this week's video. Uh, like, subscribe, do all the stuff. Colt, we got some cool behind-the-scenes stuff coming and uh, give you a little outside look at some of the stuff outside the studio. So please like, please subscribe. You're the best listeners in the game. We love you. Back to the show. The article that came out, the hat thing, whatever. The saying that the locker room was divided and fractured like, because you heard that. The fact that you can just throw this stuff out there with not confirming it with anyone that's actually involved, and then every single person on Team USA refutes it, I just think that is total bullshit that you're allowed to do that. As a journalist, you just come out and be like, you know what, I'm just going to throw this out there and see if it go see if it works. See if it's actually true. It'll if it is, great. Clicks. If not, no big deal. I'll Nothing happens. I still get access. Like, he's taking pictures with Rory afterwards and all this stuff. You don't have to cite your source. Typically, we're not journalists. We're podcasts or radio guys. We don't write articles, but you got to have at least two people. Journalist. Yeah, we are. Esteemed goes without saying, but you need two sources. Uh, I can't find anybody that could verify any of that. And when it comes out, like, dude, he should have to get up there in front of the microphone and let the players ask him questions. There's just no repercussions for it. You just put, throw it out there. Makes a ton of noise. You get a ton of clicks, ton of attention, exactly what he was looking for, but it's all bullshit. And it was a huge narrative throughout the entire Ryder Cup. And it's like, dude, how do you, how do you get away with that? We could just make some shit up. Rory said this about a guy. John Rahm said this about it. one of the Americans. No truth to it at all. But guess what? It'd get picked up and it would go. Yeah. It's people trash. are going to believe us, obviously. But of course, dude. This, this Jamie Weir, I mean, this is kind of what he's known for, is trying to stir the pot. He's ruffled a lot of feathers over there. I mean, I know Lee Westwood doesn't have a very good relationship with him. Graham McDowell, some other 
past European Ryder Cuppers, but that just kind of like set the tone. And then you have the whole thing that happened on 18 with Patrick Cantlay, Joe LaCava, and then Rory, which obviously let's get people, your take on that. People, that was, people were starting to get wind of the article. They read it about him wanting to be paid. So then all of a sudden, all the European fans start flicking the hat, tipping the hat at him, coming down the stretch. Patrick birdie 16, 17, and just 18. Monster marbles yeah. on that closing makes stretch. the 40 footer on 18 place goes nuts obviously a lot of trash talking coming from the gallery at patrick joe lacava who's one of the classiest guys in the business has been around forever i think just had enough and had a blackout moment where he probably looking back says i took it too far he was out there in the middle of the green you know shaking his hat rory was trying to line up his putt was walking back they got real close to each other rory said move it along Joe wasn't having it, kept on shaking the hat, got in a little spout with Harry Diamond as Rory was getting ready to make the putt, started yelling back at Shane Lowry, Justin Rose. It wasn't a good scene. End up, they both miss. Team USA wins that point. Then it spewed over into the locker room. Rory comes out, was obviously very heated. Not happy. Went at Bones because Bones was the first person he saw, and he said, by the way, I apologize to Bones. He did not deserve to, to do that. I was pissed off at what happened. And that was all caught on camera. And that kind of just was obviously the talking point for Saturday night. It actually got us really excited for Sunday, we, even though Team USA was five points back. Like, everything that happened, starting with that article from Jamie Weir, going to Rory losing his shit, kind of made this Ryder Cup very exciting. Yeah, it gave us, like, for the first time, that match, winning that match was the first time, maybe the only time until middle of the day-ish in singles, where the feel like the, the Mo was on the side of the U.S. I think it helped us more than it helped them, if it did anything at all, other than just become a distraction. But... I'm completely with you. I saw there's 50 different videos out there that in different duration, right, of the time. The first one I saw, I was like, that's not that big of a deal. Then I saw another one. Then I saw the full one that finally mm -hmm. came out. And I was like, that's a moment Joe LaCava probably wants back. He's, he's, there's no, you can't find a person that doesn't rave about Joe LaCava. I think he's the classiest in the world. You look at the guys he's caddy for, uh, DJ, Freddie, well, a guy named Tiger. Like he's been in the biggest scenarios with the most pressure. There's nothing he hasn't seen on a golf course. I think that day, the fans out there were just so relentless on Cantlay uh, that he'd had enough. And then Cantlay ends the way he does. Like, finally, I have a moment to, like, shove it back in their faces. And he got carried away. It was fine at the beginning. And then he walked away. It was like, okay, it's over. We had a great moment. But it was the walking back to, the like, the middle of the green and doing it again. I was like, okay, it's probably time to get off the green. I think it's something he regrets. Um, I think he's an all-time great caddy, class dude. Just had a brief moment of, like, emotions got to him. And probably wish he could have it over. And there is two people involved in this whole thing. There's only two people that know exactly what was said on that 18th green. When Rory came back around, he was working his way to his ball, and he told Joe, let's move it along. Luke Donald said afterwards, Rory asked him very politely. Now, this is my only defense to Joe, because I think Joe was in the wrong if that was the case. He was in the wrong for being there for sure. Whatever yes. was said, he shouldn't have been there. Yeah, and whatever. You get caught up in the moment. That stuff happens. Emotions are running high. But if Rory, and I'm not saying he did this, but I'm just saying if Rory came by and said something rude, like, get your something ass over there. Then Joe got a little fired up. Then I understand it a little more. But if everything is said and Roy just said, hey, time to move it along here. Like, come on, man. Then Joe was definitely in the wrong. So, like I said, we haven't heard from either of them about what exactly we probably was never said. Will. You know, Sunday, these, these reports are just driving me and nuts. It, yeah. Sunday comes out that, you know, Joe LaCava reached out to Roy's team, wanted to apologize, said, I respect you guys. I love you guys. Got caught up in the moment. Would love to apologize to Rory in person. They reported the next morning. They had a conversation. It was quick. All good. Afterwards, Rory wins his match. There with Cara Banks from NBC. He goes, I haven't met with Joe. 
Yeah. I said it twice. So until I hear it from, unless I hear what was said and what actually happened from either Joe or Rory, I don't believe shit. If, if this week taught us anything, it's like, don't believe anything you hear because everything that was coming out seems to be refuted by the people that were actually involved in it. Um, yeah. But that was a, I mean, that was a huge narrative, just kind of another one in the long, along the lines of and, everything that was going on that week. And listen, it's not a good look. Like we don't want it to come to throwing fists or anything like that. Like Rory was obviously very fired up, but that's what makes this event great. At the same time, like, no, we don't want the thing with Joe LaCava to happen and all that. But, like, the trash talking with the fans, the emotion, you know, throwing it in each other's face. Like, that's part of the, the deal. The songs that they came up yeah. with on the fly from the time the article was released to the next morning where they were, like, singing to Patrick Cantlay the entire time. They did the hat waving. I'm like, this is why it's sweet. Hats this off is to why your bank it's account. awesome. Yeah, hats off to your bank account. Uh, this is why the Ryder Cup is awesome. I have zero stress. And, by the way, when they come back, in two years at Bethpage, guess what? Are gonna? It could get bad at Bethpage, by the way, to the point where Europe never gets on a plane to come back. I'm a little concerned about what's going to go on at the Ryder Cup, but that's why we love it. It's awesome. All the stuff the fans did over there this week, I was like, this is sweet. This is what you get. This is why there's a home field advantage. This is why it's so hard to win on the other side. So zero blame on any of that. But it was a weird thing that you don't see in golf. I mean, that video of Rory, like, having to be held back, really, by Shane Lowry. I was like, dude, something was said mm -hmm. it was not just uh oops sorry i'm in your way let me get out of the way there was some you don't you don't get like that you know what i mean no golfers have really gotten like that so that was another strange deal in that kind of 24-hour window if you want to call it that were just accusations stories incidents were just flying around all right well let's take a little time out because i'm a little parched i need a little sip oh. of our newest sponsor so excited to announce the sponsorship with tito's handmade vodka and the Tito's Golf Club subpar sponsorship. Are you tired of being bad at golf, Sleaze? Yeah. Are you tired of your friends being bad at golf, but they insist on going to the course with you anyway? I like them being bad. Introducing the, the Tito's Golf Club subpar sponsorship. Now Tito's Golf Club members can nominate the subpar golfer in their lives to be sponsored by Tito's to get cool gear and fresh fits. Yes, even if that golfer is you. Will it make your friend good at golfing? Absolutely not. Will they look like they're good at golfing and maybe by sheer osmosis start to be kind of okay at it? Sure. At the very least, you know they have a good taste in vodka. Make bad golfing look good while bad golfers get better. Join and nominate at titosgolfclub.com. I'll tell you one thing. At that after party, there were some Titos flowing. There's a lot of things flowing. I think it's still flowing. I still flowing, it. by the way. What better way to get, get amongst it than with Titos? Find that cruising altitude when you're on the course. And just put it on autopilot from there. Tito's, That's the blueprint. Tito's and birdies. The perfect birdie juice. Exactly. You All get right. it. Let's All get right. back into some of this other stuff. I want to ask you something because I brought this up too. Before we get to like the changes we had proposed and things like that. This is one thing that I was critical of prior to the Ryder Cup. And I think that's really the only thing that can hold weight. You got to talk about stuff you hate before because it's easy to second guess after the fact when, when we don't win. But the practice trip. To Rome, right? The let's go over, let's scout this place where the boys went over. They were only there for what forty-eight hours. Come back, a couple of them go to Napa, play, come back, then go to Rome. You and I just did that trip, dude. How you feel today? Shit, shit, absolute <laughs> shit. And it's gonna be a few days before we feel fine, right? I don't know if we've done this in the past. I haven't heard a lot of these trips, but that feels like a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of wear and tear on the boys to play. A couple rounds of golf that I don't think you gain anything from that couldn't be accomplished if you just get over there a few days early. And on top of that, when you and I got there, I got there Monday, you got there Tuesday. Dude, it wasn't until, I would say maybe Friday 
before I start feeling like I was sleeping at the right times. I was waking up, you did the same thing at three in the morning, couldn't sleep again until we had to leave to go to the course. Like it's a while to get adjusted to that. And I'm like, that just felt like a lot to put, to have the guys do if, instead of just, why don't we go over two days early? Yeah, we're gonna have, we can do get some good work in before all the media obligations and the dog and pony show that we got to do as soon as everybody starts showing up during the week. And the course will look more like it's going to look than a couple weeks prior because they like cut down the rough and stuff like that. I think you could accomplish more by just having a team gathering somewhere in South, somewhere easy, South Florida, for instance, and get together, play and play the formats that you're going to be playing at the Ryder Cup. Find your alternate shot guy. Go play some. If you want to get some competition, bring in some other tour players. I know on No Laying Up, they mentioned maybe play the Walker Cup guys as a little head-to-head. Just get acclimated to the format more than like, let's fly to Rome, spend a couple of days. They You never get on jet lag in two days from over there. And then fly back, readjust, and then we're going to go back and do that again. I thought that was, I thought that was counterproductive. Okay, so that was two weeks before they went and did that. I thought it was a terrible idea. Uh, nine of the 12 went. Jordan Spieth expecting the baby with his wife, Annie, did not make the trip. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele, it was Patrick's bachelor party. He got married Monday after the Ryder Cup in Rome. Um, those two didn't make the trip. The other nine went. I don't know how it went in 2014. I know for a fact in 2018, Jim Furyk took a group before the team was even picked or before he even knew who was on the team because I know Kevin so Kisner was a part of that team. Way out in front, they took a scouting trip over to France to Le Golf National played how that Ryder cup go not real great not good <laughs> okay. cotton um i don't understand the trip in my opinion like i bring up the walker cup because that's the only thing i've ever played that's similar to this our captain buddy marucci the walker cup didn't start till it was saturday sunday we went over the friday before stopped over in dublin for three days but he said we're gonna play some golf each day but i'm gonna let y'all enjoy the city get acclimated make sure your inner clock's right and everything and have some fun because once we leave here and we get to Royal County down, it's all business. That's what I wish I would we would see out of our team before. You know, Paris, we went straight from the Tour Championship over to Paris and got just dummied. No one even knew where they were. Tiger was asleep the whole week. This time, we get over there. They leave Sunday evening from Atlanta. They get over there Monday. And then, boom, it's just nonstop chaos until it's time to go on Friday. I don't understand why they don't go over the Friday before. Rome's a beautiful city, historic city, a lot of cool things to see. Just let the guys ease into the week. Get used to the time. Enjoy the city. Go practice a little bit. And another thing, this is professional golfers are, are an individual business. And the only thing they really have is their routine, right? I like to do certain things like I'm a morning guy. You're an afternoon guy. You don't want to get up and play in the practice round with me in the morning. I don't want to sit around all day and wait for you in the afternoon. That works for you. It doesn't work for me. You got 12 individuals over here that all like to do their own thing. Forcing them to leave the hotel at this time, warm up pin now, play a practice round, have lunch, do media, try to jam in a quick practice session, then boom, we have gala. We have some sponsor you function go home here. And dress up. All this. You just never are on your schedule, and I get it. It's not about you that week. It's about the team. But if you want to play well, you got to adapt a little better. And, I, and talking to some of the guys on the team, they're like, look, Team Europe just gets it. They, they know how to handle it a lot better than we do. But like you said, we're over there for three or four days, and we still don't feel right. Why not go over there three days early? Yeah. Just so you know that all these guys are going to be on their schedule that they need to be on to play well. And eliminate that trip before. 
Like, and if I told you in two no, that's weeks, what I'm saying. Instead and, of the trip yeah, before, you go over. If I you, told you in two weeks, you're gonna have to go do that trip again. Like, you're st- like, no, you're like, no, dude, that sucks. Granted, they're traveling a little different, but it doesn't matter. Minor. It's still a grind. And that's another thing is like, so they get there Monday, dude, that's when I got there. Uh, it's a busy, busy, busy week. The amount of shit that they have to do every single day with the media. I mean, there was more media there. There were more people inside the ropes than I've ever seen before. You're just not like, doing what you normally do to get ready for a golf tournament. They might like, all right, play. Then the nine holes take for, for take forever. Come back. You four, you're going to do media. You guys go hit balls for a little bit. Then you four come and go. Like you never like. They're just trotted around so much. The amount of energy that they have to use going into that, like getting there Monday and then having to be ready to go by Friday. I'm like, dude, that ain't enough time. That ain't, that's just not. There's so many things. Galas, photo shoots, media obligations. They just have so much stuff. Talking with the guys off air, uh, like before they went out, it would be like Wednesday or Thursday, let's call it. I like, I mean, are you guys just beat? Like I'm out here and we're just, I'm just doing media. I'm not doing any of this stuff that you guys have to do. I'm not being interviewed by 500 people at once. It's like, you have to be exhausted. Like, dude, I just want Friday to get here. Like I'm sick of doing all this stuff. Cause like for some of these guys, like they don't, have that many media obligations at tournaments really you know what i mean like rory's used to it you know uh speed's used to it those guys but some of them dude they're doing things that are just way out of the norm for them and it's just to land on monday have your week look like that and then try to be ready to go by friday oh and by the way you haven't played in a month it's just like i i was anti that trip prior so i feel okay saying it eliminate that go over earlier instead spend some time together here in the u.s doing something that resembles what you're going to see when you get over there and for these guys who are the best in the world, I mean, you're a really good player. I'm a pretty good player. Have you ever played a golf course four times and felt like you didn't know it, but you're like after the sixth time, you're like, okay, I, really I got something it. now. I'll really get it. Like, dude, like these guys are the best in the world. Every golf course they play has 18 tee boxes, 18 greens, 18 flag sticks. Like they know how to play it. They know these yardage books are so detailed. They figure this shit out after playing here once, maybe twice. And to go over there for some ridiculous by the way that trip they went on and they go over there they play they're up crazy late watching the texas alabama yeah. game they never they got acclimated again. they took carts around the golf then course. they're gone i just and, i don't oh, hop get back it. on this 12-hour flight again and some of you got to go to the west coast it's going to take freaking yeah. 18 to get i just home. don't get it i'm with you like i think going forward when we go over there you just need to go earlier and you need to get acclimated so you can play well um the one thing you know zach johnson's getting buried i love zach johnson he was incredible on our podcast he didn't say all the right things over there, but you get a microphone in your face on live TV, sometimes it, it doesn't work. There was a lot of questions. The one thing that I would like to see changed is the culture of the U.S. team, especially when they go over there. You know, when you got 95% of the crowd rooting for you, it's obviously a lot easier to play. Going over there in a hostile environment, and I love these guys. You got Davis Love the Third, You've got Stuart Sink, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, greats of the game. Won a ton. Steve Stricker, also. They are so much older than everybody on that team. And I know they know them, but they don't really, really know them. Like, they're not around them every single week. And Zach's out there playing full-time on the PGA Tour. He's around them. He gets it. Stuart Stink Sink still plays quite a bit out there. Davis Love does for a little bit. But like these guys don't know each other. They're not in constant contact. I would love to see whoever the next captain is bring in some guys that really know them and know what what happens when these guys face adversity, know what happens when they're fired up and are being successful. And I look at guys that I feel like it was such a big miss for Zach of who we could have brought over there to be vice captains. You look at Webb Simpson, who's a major champion and a Ryder Cupper. Current. Sitting at home. Very current. Current. People that don't ever bring up. 
Jason Duffner. He's a PGA champion. He has a great relationship with these guys. Current. Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. That, those four hang out all the time together. I know he's older than them. Great relationship. Room together on the road would be incredible. The biggest miss of all, in my opinion. Played Say on it. a President's Cup team. He is loved by all the guys. He's the best shit talker on the PGA Tour. He would be perfect over in Europe. Kevin Kisner. Without question. Oh, oh by the way, also current. I think that's the at the end of the day, that's the thing. Those guys that you mentioned, huge careers, who huge resumes. They're the who's who of American golf going back, potentially future Ryder Cup. But captain, they're the same some every year. But it's the same every year. And honestly, you can't like I talked to some of the guys like, oh, I don't even know this guy. I was like, how do you you know, how's your relationship with so and so? I don't even I've never met him or I've shaken his hand. I don't know him. Like, so when you come in and you get whooped in the morning or something, or you go out and you you see your pairing, potential pairing, and you might not like it. Like, I don't know that a lot of the guys have the confidence to go express that to one of those vice captains who they don't really know you know who they would have confidence to kids like dude or they get go get their ass kicked i don't see a lot of those guys coming in and sitting down and like talking about that match and like speaking open and honestly with those guys the same way they would talk to a kevin kisner a jason duffner oh a charlie hoffman someone like that right you know what i mean like those dudes could and if they need a little motivating like looking in that uh, team room like i don't know who that guy is on the on the captaincy side right on the vice captaincy side it's like zach can only be so many places so many times you're gonna need some dudes to take on some roles and their only job really they don't hit a shot and this is not a blame for the loss scenario because we had more or less the same situation the same setup at whistling straits where we dominated but it's like their only jobs since they don't hit a shot are like how can i get the 12 guys in this room at their best at their peak playing the best golf when they get out there whether that's listening, whether that's motivating, whatever it is, I think there's a huge change that could be made there. And I just think you gotta get younger and more current because it's like, dude, those are the guys that know the that really know and relate to the guys. They played a million rounds with them. They know how to talk to them. And ultimately as a vice captain, like that's kind of the role. You're not doing you don't have a whole lot else going on and, other than make those guys be at their best when they go out there. And we could be totally wrong. Like, they could have been great. They could have been firing these guys yeah, up by the seat. We be. don't know. This is just our opinion. And I'll just use one example of when we, you and I were both on the SiriusXM broadcast. Sitting in the booth as an analyst. Got a TV. It's got four screens on it. Okay? Saturday afternoon. There's basically one or two matches left. But the point of the story is everybody was on number 16, which was an incredible hole. Perfect for match play. I love that scene there. The entire crowd is there. Both teams are there. And in one of the screens where there just happens, we have a floating camera that you can see what's going on. There's a vice captain sitting in a golf cart by himself, pointed the opposite direction with his hands on his arms, just basically sitting there like, what am I doing here? It looked like my Uber driver waiting on me to finish my last call at Bevy. Like you're not even over here with the team where everyone is at. Like, you're literally just sitting there. It looks like you're just waiting to shuttle someone back. Like, that's not what we're looking for, man. You look. I brought up Nicholas Colsarts earlier. He was like, a G. Name me who on our squad is going to go out there and do that. I didn't know he had that kind of juice. Dude, he didn't oh. step on the first tee. It was like he'd been on stage a thousand times. So he just hush the crowd and then tell them what to do. Then they'd do it. They'd freak out, go nuts. He'd do that for like four or five minutes. And then, bam, here comes the first pairing. And those people are ready to rock. Like, it just felt like I was out there on the course uh, a lot for the radio and like Francesco Molinari was walking with him and he, he was like talking and communicating like slapping him on the ass and like let's go pumping him up after good putts I'm not saying that that didn't happen at any point during the Ryder Cup for our side I just didn't see it as much and it felt like look at some of their guys Cole Serts pretty pretty current right Molinari boys pretty current or at least it played with all those dudes out there it just felt like 
a little bit different. You know, they had Jose Maria, who's a little bit older too, but I feel like he's just kind of like, he's like our Freddie more or less. Like he's, he's a little older, but like, dude, they all look yeah. up to him. They all love him. And he's a Ryder Cup icon. Like it just, the juice, you know, I, I keep going to that word, but it just looked like that. I mean, that afternoon session on the first day, even going back to the morning too, when we got dump trucked, it was, I was watching the guys walk down the fairway. I was like, dude, they just looked like their, their dog just died like heads down, shoulders low. Like we need some sort of a spark plug, some sort of something going. And it just, it wasn't there. But I think when people mention like the culture of the European side and our side, I think that's, it's a hard thing to define. Like, what is it? How do you quantify it? I don't know. But I think that inside the team room, vice captaincy, all that sort of stuff, there's big room for improvement. Big time. And some of the names we mentioned, those are just ideas and thought. There's There's probably a bunch of other guys too, but I think there needs to be some current, dudes on the vice captaincy like going forward okay well two things i'm gonna take away from that first off you saying you didn't know nicholas colsarts had that juice let me tell you the belgian bomber i know now scared to get amongst it my man he is an animal love that guy he is so great i 100 percent knew all about that i didn't know he would do it on that stage but i mean he owned that crowd and it was great the other thing they're vice captains you got jose mariola thobble who's older but i mean you know, he brings their whole thing was about Seve and all that. I mean, he obviously had a great relationship with Seve, John Rahm on the team and everything like that. Uh, Nicholas Colsarts, Francesco Molinari, Eduardo Molinari. Francesco's a major champion. I think the res- resume thing that everybody thinks yes. you have to have, like, oh, well, he's not a major champion. He, he shouldn't be a captain. He's never done this. He shouldn't be one. That shit don't matter, man. Like, you're what not matters playing. is who can motivate these guys? Who can set the tone and help these guys out when things aren't going well? I haven't played a Ryder Cup. I haven't won a major championship, but I know what these guys are going through out there. I know what they're feeling. I know what it's like to deal with these nerves. I know what I think I could do to fire somebody up. It doesn't matter. I mean, the best coaches in the NFL all weren't stars in the NFL. Yeah, the resume thing, I think it's It's way overblown. It's like you can't do it unless you've been in it, played in it, won major championships, whatever. I'm like, dude, they're not playing. They're not playing. And sometimes those dudes aren't maybe the best guys to do it because of that. It takes some outside eyes to be like, dude, you know what we're lacking here is this. And like, that was the big, dude, the culture and like the leadership, if you want to call it that, was the big question on the European side going in. They're like, dude, what are we going to do? There's no Sergio, no Westwood, Stinson, Poulter, McDowell. Like, that's their heart and soul going back over a decade, right? Those are the guys. Those have been the leaders. They've been the heartbeat in that locker room. None of they not only were they not on the team, they weren't even on the property. And everyone's like, oh, can they rebound from that? What is that going to do to the team? Well, they figured out a way to do it. You know, like they had it. We saw it. And it's not something you can quantify, like that's worth a point or whatever. But it's there. It's something you can see. It's noticeable. And they had it. And we don't. And that's something that I point to. Like, if we're going forward and we have this task force and all this stuff where all the shit's brought up, it's like that needs to be addressed. You need some current dudes that know how to talk to these guys, know how to motivate these guys, know what gets them going. And you need that in there as opposed to like this guy has four majors he's for sure in might not have any juice at all before we get back to the episode i want to tell you about rad golf the up-and-coming golf and lifestyle brand this thing is making a lot of buzz they got watches range finders and most importantly speakers for all you that likes to get amongst it out there the speaker is incredible the sound quality is fantastic you can pair it with another speaker to make it really loud it gives you your yardages it's the best speaker in golf go to radgolf.com use code subpar and get 15 percent off your entire purchase make golf fun again radgolf.com is the job let's go back to the episode can i bring up one vice captain back in the day that kind of made some noise and it worked out pretty well i'll allow it 
Okay. Fred Couples was the captain at Harding Park for the President's Cup. You know who was one of his vice captains? Michael Jordan. He's a five handicap, loves the game of golf. Freddie wanted him involved because he knew he could pump the team up and the team would want to show off for Michael Jordan because for most guys, he was their hero growing up. And that guy hadn't won any majors. I know he's the, arguably the greatest athlete of all time. A lot of, of member guests, though. I so mean, he knows. But he knew he could help that team out. It d- doesn't matter who you are. It's who can you put on this team to give us the best chance to win. The resume thing has got to go. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, I hated, I hated when people called it the boys club as far as like Justin Thomas getting picked. But when, when it comes to the vice captains, it is a boys club because it's the same group of guys. It feels like for the last 12 years it, it, between it President's Cup and Ryder recycled Cup. Recycled over and over. Freddie, kind of a pass because I feel like even though he's not quote unquote current playing on the Champions Tour, like he does actually have a relationship with a lot of these guys. They all look up to him. They all, you know, like he's one of the guys that if Freddie comes and sits you down and talks to you, like you're listening. And I'm not saying they're not, you're not listening to other guys, but I think Freddie knows how to communicate and talk to these guys. He's been on the captaincy or vice captaincy for damn near every single thing we've had for a long time. He's a little bit of an outlier, in my opinion. Happy but 64th birthday, that, by the way. Yeah, shout out Freddie. Happy 64th. Um, hadn't lost a single hair on his head, by the way. Still looks beautiful. Um, but we need that. That is something I would point to. Like, if I'm on the task force going forward, like this got to change. We need some dudes. Take a vote. Uh, let you know maybe each group of four, whoever the close buddy, like pick a guy who's your guy. You know, like and have them designated to the pods. Maybe each pod, if we're gonna continue to break it down by pods, like who do you want your guy to be? Boom. I want Kisner. All right, you guys over here. Who do you want your pod to be? Name it. I don't know. Whoever the guy is. Webb. You know. Boom. Done. He's responsible for you. This one's responsible for this pod. I just. It, that feels like that makes way more sense to me than kind of what we got right now because they're all unbelievable players. have been huge for U.S. golf, huge for golf in general, these guys that we got, but I'm not necessarily convinced that they're going in there after a drumming in the morning and really firing up the troops. We could be wrong, but we saw kind of the energy and the, you know, the moxie that those guys went out with. I mean, sometimes you could see it on the first tee, Colt, like, just when they were taking the pictures, I was like, "These the body they language from Xander and Cantlay. They don't really that, look yeah. ready to go." And they're the ones hitting the shots. Ultimately, the blame's on them. But like you said, the the captains and the and all the team is they're there to give them the best chance to succeed. And right now, I don't know if that's happening. Yeah, um, I don't want to bag on it too much. This but isn't second guessing. Like after the fact, I think we would have said this previously. Like I said, the the trip. I don't necessarily like. I think the twelve guys in that team room, talent is the last thing that's an issue. You could point to say, oh, I think Lucas should have been on the team, or I think Keegan should have been on the team, or Cam Young, or whoever. Changing out one guy for one guy, I don't think necessarily strengthens or weakens that team. The talent is exceptional. It's getting the talent playing to the level that they're accustomed to playing, and the things that we're doing right now aren't necessarily getting it done, at least on foreign soil. Well, one guy that did take care of business, went over there and played incredible, was no doubt the MVP of the American team, our guy Max Homa who went over there and went 4-1, and one, lost his first match with Brian Harmon out of the gate. But I'm so proud of that kid, man. To come from where he has, where basically you know couldn't make a cut on the PGA Tour, didn't know if he belonged, to now being a multiple winner on the PGA Tour and being the leader of that Ryder Cup team. I mean, everybody, he was the heart and soul that week. Him and Justin Thomas were the ones that brought the juice. So cool to see him go over there and perform that way. Joe Greiner, who's been a guest of the program as well, you know, what happened there on 18 on Sunday when the Ryder Cup was just it was, it was in flux. It was there. And if and if Matt Fitzpatrick was able to win 18, it was over. And Max caught a terrible break, had, did not have a shot basically for his third, being green high in two. 
said his head was spinning a million miles an hour. Joe Griner came in, calmed him down. He's like, look, we're going to take an unplayable. You're going to get this all up and down. We're going to make par, and hopefully Matt Fitzpatrick misses his putt, and we continue this thing. And it was awesome to see those two work together. For Max to make that seven-footer for par to win his match, just tip of the cap to you if, you got, if you're wearing one. That was something special. I think that is going to take him to a whole other level. He's already a great player. Everybody knows about his major record. It's not that good, but doing that in the Ryder Cup with I mean, he said, Joe, did you see my legs shaking when he was over the Dude, putt on the we last? We were in the cabin or whatever. We're standing up. My hands were dripping in sweat. I was like, oh, my God, I'm the furthest away from this scenario I could possibly be in terms of having hit this putt, and I'm freaking out. And he got up there, rolled it in the middle. I think I said this at the time. I was like, dude, I don't care what situation he's in going forward. Putt to win the Masters, U.S. Open, catch a playoff, whatever. I don't think there can you can have more pressure on you as a golfer. That putt wasn't to win the Ryder Cup, but it was over if he missed mm -hmm. and he gutted that thing. I was like, he can draw on that for forever. Just elephant sized nuts on max and shout out to Joe for kind of walking through that uh, situation as well. Taking the unplayable tear, just an absolute shit break to not even have a shot there. But dude, that was enormous. And the same way Scotty, like when uh, whistling straights went out and took care of John Rom when Rom was number one in the world. And then all of a sudden, bam, later, you know, you fast forward six months and he's winning every single tournament out there. I'm not saying that's the exact same scenario that Max Homa is going to have, but like, I don't think you could get more confidence or draw more confidence than Max Homa should draw after this past Ryder cup team MVP looked like a team leader out there. Made the biggest putt for the U S in the, of the entire week, maybe outside of Patrick Cantlay. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, and also the only guy we trusted enough to trot him out there five times. Yep, congratulations to Max on an incredible Ryder Cup. Congratulations to Team Europe on getting the job done, and your fans. They're incredible. I mean, I know y'all grow up on soccer, so you got all the chants and everything, but the first thing I noticed is like, God damn it, y'all's chants are so much cooler than ours. And right now, I want to start a petition for you and I to be on that first tee at Beth Page. Mm. We want to be in charge of getting the crowd going i don't know if we have to fly up there a few months in advance work with a bunch of people that are going to go to the Ryder cup let's get some cool shit going because the atmosphere has got to change we got to take it over europe just blows us away when it comes to that stuff i mean even to the fact of where sunday when rory comes out they're they're singing is it the cranberry zombie zombie in your head in your head yeah, they're singing in your Instead head of zombie your they head. change it to rory somehow the whole i mean it takes one time to hear it to get it but the whole crowd Seem to know how to do it. They're singing songs, some of which I recognize, some of which I didn't. Change the words all around. They all seem to know them. The Olé is just like the default. Like as soon as USA goes up in the stands with our little pocket of fans, they're, like, so much they're like, just start chanting Olé. It'll drown them out. Uh, but their, their shit is unbelievable. Uh, they do a really good job. That's, I mean, dude, every, we heard about it, you know, at Whistling Straits. They're like, you think this is awesome? Wait till you get to Europe. And like now... I kind of see why it's just different. That place was rocking the entire time. And it was easy to stay rocking because the, the players on the European side gave them everything in the world to cheer for uh, throughout the entire week. But yeah, ministers of swag or whatever that little bullshit position Matthew Culture. McConaughey has at um, Texas. That's what we should have. I got some good ideas for walkout songs for the boys. Some songs that could be turned into chants. Like I'm ready to fire. And by the way, if we're not it, I'll, I'll pass these ideas along. But I got some, I got some stuff that'll get some juice. Yeah, for I mean, sure. I mean, you think of our chance we have. We have USA, and I believe that we will win. And that's, that's about, it. about it. I mean, Olay is just cool, by the way. When they start doing that, the whole place goes nuts. It's awesome. But it was so much fun being over in Rome. Um, all the fans, they were incredible to us coming up and saying how much they love the pod. So we appreciate it. Yeah, you shout listening. out to all those. That was cool. That was cool. But once again, congratulations to Team Europe. That was a special performance. And you know what? We'll be ready to go come Beth Page. And then hopefully when we head over to Ireland in 2027, we can finally bring that cup 
back across the pond. But that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on the next subpar.